morning. It is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. It is Mission OKC Week. That means uh, our third word on our shirt, our mission, uh, our missional values here at Northwest Baptist is gospel proclamation. That's what we do in here. We hear the gospel. We receive the gospel. We preach the gospel to ourselves as the people of God. And we live in life-on-life discipleship, meaning encouraging one another in that gospel for one reason and one reason alone, to be sent on mission to be outside of the doors, to proclaim this great gospel and proclaim this great God to people who are lost and dying and broken and in need of Jesus. This is what we do as the people of God. We gather together to hear the gospel proclaimed so that we can be life transformed in order to share that good news message with others in need of God's glorious salvation. This is the second uh, chapter of the book of Mark. We begin a new section in the gospel of Mark. The gospel is building upon itself as Mark is presenting these blocks on which we must lay the foundation of our faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is the very Son of God, the Christ, in which the Old Testament prophets are pointing us to. He has come, and thus the kingdom of God is now on the earth as heaven comes down, as God is made flesh and dwells among man, and he comes down to touch a sinful, broken humanity. So as we've looked at chapters 1 and 2, the king who was announced, he was coronated, he was victorious over the enemy, declares a message. He calls for servants. He shows his power over the spiritual realm the physical realm, and last week we saw the king trade places with the leper, signifying his coming to make people clean by becoming unclean himself. Now we move to a different section in which the, the writer Mark here is trying to show us something and expose the hearts of the Pharisees or the scribes. We could call them the heart of the prideful skeptic. And he contrasts this heart of the prideful skeptic with the humble people of faith. And in this story, we see the king has the authority to forgive sins, but he's also exposing the heart of two different types of people. There's a group of doubters, the scribes and the Pharisees, the supposed religious leaders of the time, the people in which Hope's illustration worked perfectly, look great on the outside. And... There are the people who don't look so great. 
who are in desperate need of salvation. And yet, God says, those are the people whom which I will look upon. So Jesus is proving what he says about the kingdom of God, and we are left this morning, what do we do with this story about the Pharisees and the paralytic? Who am I? Am I the doubter, the skeptic, or am I the man who will trust in Jesus no matter the cost? Because when it comes down to it, there is one problem that underlies all of the world's problems, and it is sin. And the king has the authority to forgive sin. So let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 2, and we'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 12 this morning. So if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we'll read from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 this morning, as we read this beautiful story about Jesus healing the paralytic. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. You can be seated this morning. What a story. It is. Father, we thank you for this morning and your word, and we thank you for your truth that you bring through your word. May it touch our hearts, Father. May we see your beautiful and great gospel in our own lives, and may we be able to um, just share this great gospel with others as we see ourselves, Father, as you see us. Father, help us to see with our own eyes and hear with our own ears. Father, what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the 1970s, there was a woman named Joni Erickson Tata, and as a teenager, she broke her neck in a diving accident in the Chesapeake Bay. As a result, she became a quadriplegic, meaning she was paralyzed from the neck down. But God would have a plan for her life. 
She would go on to write the number one international best-selling book and traveled all over the world sharing hope through her hardship. She talks about how God used the accident to actually bring her to God. And she recently celebrated 50 years of being in her wheelchair. This morning we we look at the paralytic and this is what Joni Erickson Tata said about heaven. This is what she said. This is her quote and I quote here. I hope in some way I can take my wheelchair to heaven. With my new glorified body, I will stand up from the wheelchair with my resurrected legs. And I will stand next to the Lord Jesus. And I will feel those nail prints in his hands. And I will say, thank you, Jesus. He will know what I mean. He will know that I mean it. Because he will recognize me by how hard I leaned on him during my, my sufferings. And then I will say, Lord Jesus, do you see that wheelchair over there? Well, you were right. When you put me in it, it was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. The harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. I do not think I would have known the glory of your grace if it were not for that wheelchair. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Now, if you like, you can send that thing off to hell. (laughs) You see, the trials and suffering of life is meant to remind us that this world is broken. Amen? I mean, you don't have to turn on the news very very much to see how broken our world truly is. And you see, the brokenness of our world should point us to the problem of our world, which is sin. You see, sometimes we like to put masking tape on our lives and say, no, it's, it's not that broken. So we just go and buy this thing or we go to this place or we get into this relationship only at some point to be reminded again by a diagnosis or a stock market crash or a loss of a loved one or a failure of someone that you trusted that this life ain't it. That it is a broken world. And the problem of sin is real. You see, the greatest need in all of our lives in this room is not to be healed. It's not to get more money or find the right relationship. It is to have our sins forgiven. And it is the humble and contrite spirit in which God will forgive their sin. 
You see, this story of the paralytic is the story of all of believers of all time. Not just some, but all. As the only way to come to Jesus is to recognize your need for his complete healing and forgiveness of sin. You see, we as people who are sinners are broken. And we recognize that we are broken so much that we have the no ability to save ourselves. So we must trust in Jesus. So just like the paralyzed man, we are the ones who are in need of the healing power of Christ. And Christ has the authority to forgive our sins because of the great work that he has done. Let's look at the text this morning. And when he returned to Capernaum, verse 1, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Of course he was preaching the word to them, right? That's what Jesus did. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay and when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven this is our first point this morning God's people come to the king in faith Jesus saw the paralytic and these four men's faith as they came to him You see, God's people who are called by God come to Jesus in faith. I love this story. It's such a beautiful story. But these men, they cannot get to Jesus. They have no means to get to the one who has the power and the authority to change their situation. Jesus is preaching. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to declare the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of God is here, that God's glorious salvation has come. It doesn't tell us what Jesus was preaching. All we know that he was preaching. What Jesus was preaching was the word the Old Testament, about himself, about the kingdom of God, about God's rescue for sinners. But you can imagine him maybe opening to say Isaiah chapter 35. I'm going to read it to you. It doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus was preaching, but maybe he was preaching Isaiah 35. It says this in Isaiah 35 verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance 
and the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for the waters break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The clean, the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads And they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a text of scripture. Something Jesus would preach. So much in this passage, you should look at that text at some point. But let me summarize. God will come and he will save his people. The blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute, they will be healed. All will be restored back to how it was created. The waters will flow. The grass will come up. It will be good. And there will be a way in which the ransom of the Lord will walk on this way. And they will receive everlasting joy and the way in which they will walk is by faith look at verse 5 here what jesus says to the paralytic and when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven faith in jesus is the way your sins are forgiven. These guys who were carrying this man who could not walk, they knew they needed Jesus. And they knew they needed Jesus so much, they were willing to tear someone's roof off their house to get to him. Can you imagine the face of the Pharisees and the scribes who are in the place of honor sitting next to Jesus in the house, hearing the teachings, the lame man is not allowed in, and dirt starts coming from the ceiling. The ceiling begins to shake and all of a sudden they can see the light, the sunlight that is, as the sun begins to shine. They must have said to themselves, how rude I was listening to this teaching. Nothing disrupts Jesus' preaching, right? No crying baby, no roof coming in, no mission impossible lowering of a dude by rope type stuff. Nothing stops Jesus' preaching. This is just continues what he's already been preaching. 
that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he says to the guy lying on the ground, unable to come to Christ on his own, marred by the harsh reality of the brokenness of the world, unable to stand in front of the king, your sins are forgiven. He continues to preach the gospel to these people through this man's brokenness. It's, it's really shocking, isn't it? Jesus, Jesus is often shocking in what he says. But Jesus saw their faith and healed their greatest need, which was sin. And he said to this man, your son, your sins are forgiven. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone. That's the point, right? I mean, that's the point. Jesus is showing that he is God. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your, son, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. The king has authority on earth to forgive sin. That's our second point this morning. Jesus is preaching this gospel to everyone who will see that he has the authority to forgive sin. You see, the man who was broken because he could not walk, his legs would not work, he was representative of the sinner. Everything that we see in this life that is broken is a result of sin. It's the irony of this story that makes it very special. The scribes who know the law, who are well versed at reading God's word, and one could say run circles around most people in understanding the scriptures, are actually the ones who are paralyzed when it comes to understanding spiritual things. Where the paralyzed man who cannot walk is running circles around the scribes, Because he gets it. He has faith. This is what Isaiah says concerning the one in in whom the Lord will look upon. Meaning the one whom the Lord will look upon for salvation. Isaiah 66, 1. It says this, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the, is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. 
but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Now, in the English, it says humble and contrite. Okay, you might be like, oh, that's it's kind of a double hum- humility. It's contrite. It's a humble spirit. It's a meek person. But contrite, the word in Hebrew is naki. It means crippled. The word means crippled, lame. So let me read it again. But this is the one whom I will look, he who is humble and crippled in spirit and trembles at my word. Jesus will say on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. The idea is the same, impoverished in spirit, crippled in spirit. Those who come to Jesus in faith are the ones who recognize they cannot do it on their own. They have no ability to walk with their God. This is who we are. We are the paralytic who not only cannot come to Christ on our own, we, we need others to help us to come to Christ, but we cannot stand before him and we certainly cannot walk with him apart from his healing power in our life and saying, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees, under the guise of religion, think that they can come near to God based upon their own works, based upon their own righteousness. And Jesus asked them in verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, raise, take your mat, take your bed and walk? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Right? Because it's a spiritual matter. And who could know if your sins were actually forgiven? That's easier to say. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Well, How do we know that your sins are forgiven? It's a lot harder to say, rise, take up your mat, and walk. We know that you're, what you're saying is not true then if the guy doesn't get up and walk. But in this passage, we understand that it's much harder to actually forgive sin is to make someone walk. But in this passage, Jesus does both, right? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, rise, take up your mat and walk. And he proves that his sins are forgiven by what his proof is the healing power and the authority of God to reverse the curse of the brokenness of this world. And Jesus says something here in verse 10 and 11, which we need to understand, but that you may know that the Son of Man, that's a title, the Son of Man, not only speaking of his humanity, but it is a title of 
the Son of Man that Daniel speaks about in Daniel chapter 7. That Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 13, this is the vision Daniel sees. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. It's a title. It's used not only as a son of mankind, meaning humanity, but it is used as a title in this passage, one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. An everlasting king over his kingdom. That is the Son of Man. And Jesus is telling the the scribes and the Pharisees, I am he, the Son of Man, in which Daniel prophesied about. I am the one in whose kingdom there will be no end. I am the Son of David. I am the Son of Man. The king not only shows the people that he has the authority to forgive sin, but he is the one who is prophesied about in Genesis 3.15 that would be born of woman, that would crush the head of the serpent, and his kingdom would be everlasting. So why does Jesus have the authority to forgive sin? Because he would be the one who would pay for the sins of the world. He would die on a cross for sinners. The payment for sin paid in full. That anyone who would come to him in faith will be saved. John 3.16 says it about as best as we could see we could say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because he's an eternal king with an eternal kingdom who has paid for the sins of you. Thus coming to him... He is able to forgive sinners and enter into his eternal kingdom. Let's look at, let's end this passage here in verse 11. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. No, really? You never saw anything like this? You see, the people saw God's work. And it was glorious. They saw the work of God. God had already done work by saying, your sins are forgiven 
yet they saw the work that God was doing in this man's life. They saw the spiritual realm by the physical realm. And this is our third point this morning. God's transformative work of his people through the forgiveness of sin is seen by all. God's transformative work of his people through the forgiveness of sin is seen by all. The man gets up and he walks out. The people who would not let him in, they would not part to allow him to go into the home are now parting to let him out. They see the power of Christ. They see the power to transform this man's life. But remember, the most important aspect of the story is this man's sin is now forgiven. When you come to Christ in faith, asking him to save you from sin, there is something that goes on. It's an overwhelming peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing that you are now a child of God. You no longer live for yourself, but for the glory of God. And with this whole new reality of your sins being forgiven... You have a new life, one that is led by the spirit of the living God who guides your life to follow Christ. And after this conversion experience, there is a public display of your new life in Jesus. We call that baptism. Why? So people can see what God is doing spiritually in your life. Because you're saying in baptism, it's no longer I who live, it's now Christ who lives in me. I have died and now Christ lives. I have a new life in Christ Jesus. So people can see the spiritual realm that God is working in your life. In one sense of, of the, the, the understanding, your sins are for now from it are forgiven, take your mat, get up, rise up and walk, right? Rise up and walk with Christ. All of these moments, people are watching you. And spiritually, you come before Christ, a broken sinner who cannot walk and say, and he says to you, my child, stand up and walk with me. The display of this man is meant to show the people the king's authority to forgive sins just in the same way the bride of Christ, the church, you, the people of God is meant to display the authority of Christ to forgive sinners. And the way that he does this is through transformative work of the gospel through transformed lives of his people, the church. Through the transformation of the idolater, the fornicator, the prideful, the self-centered, the addicted, the sexual immoral, the liar. These people are now being transformed into the image of Christ where the idolater is now a worship of one God. 
The fornicator is made pure by the precious blood of Jesus. The prideful now becomes humble as they recognize their need for the Lord. The self-centered now becomes Christ-centered, begins thinking of others instead of themselves. The addicted is set free from bondage because they know that Christ is better. And the sexual and moral are now faithful because their God is faithful. The liar now speaks the truth because the truth has been spoken to them. It is the transformational work of Christ through the gospel message by the power of the Spirit in which is on display to all for all to see the glorious work of God in the life of his people. This is what it says here. We never saw anything like this. That is what, my friends, what people ought to speak of God's church. We never saw anything like this. Not because people are getting up and being healed. Not because people are getting up and being made rich. Not because people are doing different things. But because people's lives are transformed because their sins are forgiven and they are set free to now follow Jesus. I'll end, the story, I'll end with this story. King David was looking for anyone in the house of Saul after King David has taken over the kingdom with the struggle with Saul. Saul was trying to kill King David. David actually goes and looks for someone, anyone left in the house of Saul. And he says that I may show the kindness of God to him. And they say, there's a man, uh, a son of Saul, a son of Jonathan, who is crippled in his feet. His name is Mephibosheth. And David sent for him, and he comes before the king and says to him, I will restore your house, your land, and you, Mephibosheth, will eat at my table. And Mephibosheth responds, the crippled son of Saul, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? You see, there's many in this room who feel unworthy to come to the king. Maybe it's because of your past. Maybe it's because of your sin. Maybe it's because of what you did this week. Maybe it's because of what you did last night. You feel totally unworthy to come before Jesus. And maybe somebody invited you this morning, just like the paralyzed man had four men carrying him to Jesus. Maybe somebody carried you this morning. You're saying, I don't deserve to come to Jesus. And David says, come and eat at my table. And that's what Jesus says, come and eat at my table. We just perform the Lord's Supper. Jesus is saying, come and eat at the table. Your sins are forgiven if you come to me in faith. You see, this is all of our story. 
Not just some people in this room, it's all of our story. The king has welcomed us back, sinners in the household of God, to eat at the table like one of the king's sons. We are completely undeserving to eat at the king's table. And yes, he says, come and eat at the table. Ephesians 2.13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So this morning, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning and take this time to remind yourself That you were once far off from the Lord. But he has brought you to the place, not only close, but to sit at the table with the Lord. And it is this transformative work of your sins being forgiven that now... We, as the church, display the glory of God. So we, as the church, we are humbled by the glorious work of Christ. And so I just want us to pray and just take a moment to sit in this moment and respond to the story of the paralytic as we need to respond. Maybe you've never come to Jesus in faith this morning in your need of salvation and you wanna come forward and you wanna talk to one of our pastors about what it means to call out to the Lord for salvation. Maybe you're in need to come forward and confess sins that are weighing you down. God is faithful and just and forgive us our sins if we confess our sins. Or maybe it's just you need to be grateful and thankful for what Jesus has done for your life right now. That you walk in the power of the spirit of the living God, not on the basis of your good works or not on the basis of what you have done, but on the basis of what he has done for you on the cross and your gratitude and worship can range from giving, can range from worship and singing with your voices loud unto the Lord, can range from lifting up your hands. But there is a response to the gospel every single time in our own hearts. May we stand and respond to this great gospel we see through the paralytic and the story of the paralytic and Mark. So let's let's stand. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to worship the Lord. If you need to talk to someone, we have pastors up front that would be willing to talk to you, pray for you, meet your needs through prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment and we thank you for the opportunity and the reminder that we are in need of your forgiveness of sin. ask, Father, that you would remind us of our great 
great grace and great salvation in which you have given us through Christ. That we would take nothing for granted as the people of God. Father, we would be able to see people as you see them. Not as broken people, but as people who have been broken by sin. Come forward if you need to.